You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Good to have everybody here today. Well, listen, we've got an absolute treat this morning. Uh, This guy is a son of the house. He is a man of the house. He is, man, this guy is... There is no words to describe this this guy because he's undescribable because he just shocks you every time. <laughs> the, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, I'm sorry, Jake. I, I take that back. Don't get offended. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in you, okay? Uh, <laughs> there we go. It, we Our speaker today is Stephen Hart. Stephen, come on up here, man. Woo, woo, woo! I'll tell you, never a dull moment in this house. Good Lord, help us, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Everybody doing okay? It has been a nonstop morning. So for those of you that don't know, and this isn't to offer up pity to me, I usually get up around four on Sundays to get here. And so I have been, when I hit the ground this morning, I went to bed at one, got up at 4.30, and I have been on the move since I got here. So I am on pure adrenaline right now. So if you just feel the need, just reach your hand out towards me and just say, oh, Rabbi, pray for him right now. Jesus, touch him in a mighty... Ooh, I actually received that a little bit. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, man. What a good crowd we got in here this morning. We got a good mix of people from different places. I'm so excited. It's, I was just sitting next to Josh and talking to him. I'm so thankful for the season where where friends come alongside you in ministry. It's all, ministry is, is mostly fun, 99.9% of the time, but when people that you do life with, I'm looking at the lifers right now, the ones that, that literally do coffee and I know their kids and all this stuff, it brings a certain joy out of you that you don't get anywhere else. There's no stage with thousands of people that, that brings you the kind of security, the peace and joy that lets you know you're on target because ministry is not the platform, it's the people. Okay, that's not my message. Let me stop. It might be. Let's go. Come on, Lord. Well, I'm excited to talk again. It's been a while since I've been up here in this format. Uh, I think the last time I preached was January, I think, like late January. And we have, since the beginning of the year, at the end of the year last year, we, we sat down and said, what are the values of the house that we want uh, to see built, established, and cultivated? Uh, and the one that I have always been passionate about for the past 10 to 12 years of my life is worship, obviously, but also prayer and intercession. And intercession is kind of an icky word. It makes us uncomfortable because I think, especially in the South, it's come with such a negative connotation of, oh, we're talking about old ladies sitting in the back of the room praying and shouting in tongues, and, and very loudly, and then, then the weird stuff happens, and then we don't really know what the fruit of that is, right? And so my hope today is to kind of bring uh, a new covenant lens and perspective to what it is 
and our role in it. Does that make sense? Are we excited about that for some new revelation this morning? Cool. Uh, well, I want to share a quick testimony because it, it, it's not very often that you preach a message that you are in turn a part of seeing kind of fulfilled in a certain way. So I'm a part of another ministry called the Burn 24-7. Anyone ever heard of it, been a part of it? Yeah, burn people in the house. Let's go. Uh, we have a burn coming up this month on what date? May the 19th, it'll be two hours of worship and prayer and intercession on behalf of the city of Atlanta. So if you are interested in being involved with that, come see my boy Josh Jackson right over here. He is the director for the city of Atlanta. Um, last time I preached, we talked about building a culture of prayer, but also becoming a people of prayer. Those are two different things. I can, I can pray all day long when we show up here, but unless I become it, I'm not going to do it when I walk out those doors. It's very easy to do the activity when I have people right here who will say, oh, brother, will you pray with me this morning in Jesus' name and, and begin to intercede on needs. But when I walk out the doors, we never talk about it again, right? So the difference in doing and becoming is huge. It's, it's the most impactful thing. So um, one of the verses that I, I revisited, I actually rewrote a lot of this last night. Uh, I always rolled my eyes at preachers growing up of going, oh, last night the Lord moved my heart and I rewrote my whole sermon before I got here. And now that I've done it, I go, okay, well, you know, more grace for them, I guess, because now I get it. Uh, but, but last time I talked, talked out of Matthew 21, uh, which is the, the famous scripture where Jesus walks into the temple and is frustrated and angry by the money changers and all the activity going on that's not centered towards God, right, in God's house. And so he forms the whip and he casts out the money changers and runs everyone out and it runs everyone out and makes the statement and declaration and says that my house will be a house of prayer, right? Very famous statement. That's verse 13. What follows verse 13, I think, is the most important thing that we never talk about because we get lost in my house will be a house of prayer is that the next verse says this, and they brought the sick to him and they were healed. Amen. When God's house is centered around his presence, the natural overflow is that the sick will be healed. Do you hear me this morning? Is this, does this make sense? Worship and prayer, the house of prayer, the tabernacle of David, all this language that we've used to express what we believe worship and prayer in our time should look like is not an end unto itself. Ministry to God is important. It is the first and foremost thing that we're called to do as believers. But if the city around us, the people around us aren't getting set free, healed, and delivered, then what are we doing? Are, you, are, are we awake? Are, we, are you engaging with this? So I want to share a testimony and get you connected with what, what I'm talking about. So this past Sunday, a week ago today, we had a three-hour burn. Uh, no plans for, you know, any prophetic ministry or ministry time or anything like that. Just kind of went with the flow. Three hours of worship, incredible time of worship. At the end, I grabbed the microphone from Josh and said, hey, if anyone wants to come up and receive prayer, come and talk to our ministry team. Very simple. I had nothing profound to offer. I didn't feel since anything. Um, and Josh brought, uh, Ashley, Ashley, raise your hand. Hey. Uh, so she came up and said, I have um, a back issue. I think it was herniated discs. Yeah, something related to the herniated discs in the back. And so she pointed to the area in her back, which is about right here. And so uh, our volunteers laid hands on her, and I, I made it very intent to put my fingers on the area of the back where she had the issue. And you could feel kind of a raised area. And so we prayed for a couple of minutes, 
and as we prayed, obviously the presence of God was so heavy. It was just thick and tangible in, a, in just an unreal way. Um, the craziest thing starts to happen. I feel her spine move under my fingers. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time because y'all didn't get excited like I did. Her spine, her spine started to physically move and be healed. So I, I did a check-in like all of us good ministry people do and say, okay, when you came in here, what was the pain level scale of 1 to 10? And she goes, 10 out of 10. I said, where are you at right now? And she goes, 5 out of 10. Immediate decrease. And so we began to press in and pray even more. And by the time that she left, all that she had was soreness. I'll reiterate this one more time. When God's house, the priority of it is his presence and his face, the sick will come in, they will be healed. This house right here, when the, when the priority of this and this is him, when the sick come in, they will be, you will be healed. And that should encourage us as this local body, as, as ones that say, this is our house, this is my house, to go and grab not just the lost, but the ones who have yet to be delivered and set free. Because once you leave here today, you no longer have the uh, freedom, the, the option to go, well, if, I mean, if God wants to heal them, they'll be healed. That's not what this says for me because the natural priority is that when they come in, they get healed. It's, it's not rocket science, right? This, this is the nature of God. This is who he is. This is who he's revealed himself to be through the man, Jesus. Amen? I wish y'all would like this as much as I do. Y'all are not getting excited for me this morning. Woo! Church, at the end of the day, what we do here, what we do on Sunday nights, what we do middle of the week, when we gather in homes, whatever the model or what it looks like, the container, the wineskin, is primarily for God. It's not for us, right? We, we gather, and it's, it's good, but it's, it has to be primarily for him. I don't know why I'm saying this this morning. I, I, I want to make sure that before we get into the nitty-gritty of this, that we understand that there's a, a, a supernatural hierarchy of how he has designed uh, this, this method in, in which we gather here for a certain result to be produced, right? Jake, you're about to pass out. Ephesians 2.22, I wrote this down last night. 2.22, whoa. In him you also are being built together by the Spirit to be a dwelling place for God. When we come to minister to him, he ministers to us. How, how many churches have we been a part of where the primary goal is for me to come and get what I need? I'm going to get my blessing. I, I, need, I need worship. I need, I need an escape. Well, if worship is your escape, then worship's all about you. And last time I checked, my Bible, worship was about him. And Jesus in Matthew 21 flips everything upside down and says, my house will be about me. And then, and then those that come in will be touched. I'll give you one more. Community is not... The highest aim of church. We love community. It's the foundation of this church's family. It's kingdom family. Is that God has always been a family, right? We, if anyone in this house has been here for any, any amount of time, you know that this is what we do. We, we don't just talk about it. We do it every day of the week. 
We meet together, we eat together, we do life together. When we walk out of these doors, it's the same thing. We worship at home. This is just the, the, the commonplace for all believers here, right? But if community is the highest aim for church, then everything turns inward to me. I want you to follow me because if we're going to go anywhere today, we have to understand that first and foremost, living stones, this is, this is the, the, the parable of living stones here is that when you and I are set in a foundation, Christ Jesus, the foundation of the church, right? You with me? Living stones, stand up. I'm picking on you because you're front row. This is what this, this image in the Bible is talking about. Living stones, turn around, look this way. When we're standing next together as living stones in a foundation, one, two, three, four, looking at him, we go, oh, we, we, we enjoy this together. This is what we're made for. And this, thank you, this is the foundation for the church is that we're not to be pointed to one another at our own issues, at our own self-interest, but to be pointed at him. Are you feeling this this morning? <clears throat> Community cannot be the highest aim of what we do when we come here. It has to be the presence of God. And it has to be more than just the 30, 45 minutes of worship that we do up here. It has to extend beyond those doors. You with me? Okay. <clears throat> I'm not going to get too lost in this. I, I want to talk about this more because I, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about the local church. I have been for a long time. But the model and the way in which we gather has to reflect uh, the reason in which we exist, which is to worship him. You all with me this morning? Okay. So I want to talk about intercession. Uh, what is intercession? Let's break it down really simple. Intercession is me praying on behalf of others. Period. Very simple. <clears throat> Did you know that Jesus is in full-time ministry right now? Did you know that when he ascended back to heaven after, after the cross, that he didn't go into heaven just to kick it back and... and enjoy his his reward he actually ascended to the right hand of the father we know this through revelation 4 and now he is interceding on our behalf isn't that powerful <sighs> through his death resurrection and ascension he has raised you and me up to join him in in this ministry that he calls intercession <clears throat> one of the things i heard uh, billy humphrey at ihop atlanta say a couple years ago, that the days are over of seeing intercessors as a few women in a back room, which is the funny model that we love to talk about. It's just a bunch of old ladies in a basement going after God and praying for everyone because I definitely don't want to. How many times you heard that? But the prophecy that he released two years ago was this, that it's going from a few old ladies in the back room to everyone in the front room. Because of the invitation in Revelation 4, which has come up higher, Come up here with me. It's, it's Jesus is offering this, re, this invitation to John in exile. He's offering this invitation to him. Come up here to where I am, third heaven, at the right hand of the Father, to be seated with me. The next statement that he says is this, so that you can see what happens next. When we stand in a third heaven reality, in a, in a, in a the higher place, not the place of warfare, the place where all, all the chaos and confusion breaks out, but when we stand at the right hand of the Father with Jesus in the place that he died for us to live in with him, that's when we can see what happens next. What is what happens next? It's the spirit of prophecy that he's offering us. 
Intercession is not me offering up my frustrations to the Lord. It's me partnering with his truth. I'll say it one more time, but I want to dig into this because this, is, I think, is, the, is the, the meat of the message. Intercession is not me offering up my frustrations to the Lord about a particular issue. It is me partnering with his truth. Are y'all awake this morning? I know we're not a Pentecostal charismatic church, but I want y'all to talk to me. If this is hitting, I need you to let me know. Because this isn't just for you to go, oh, this feels so good. That was a good message, Pastor Stephen. And then walk out the doors and go, oh, I guess, you know, we might pray some. This is the call of every believer in this room, in the church three miles from here, in every church in Atlanta, every church in the globe. You are an intercessor. You are called to pray. Why? Because Jesus does it every day. When the Father looks at him, who does he see? Come on, we, we know the gospel. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am in him, he is in me. You can't mistake us. You put us side by side, we're, we're indistinguishable. Not physically, but in character and nature. That's the new nature that God has given us through Christ Jesus and the revelation of the cross. And because it's the finished work, that means that I can't have a bad day and not look like him. Oh, boy. Well, it seems like a good time to read some scripture before I uh, upset the religious spirit. Let's look. Um, wow, I'm running low on time. Gosh. Let's, let's read some Bible together before I get in trouble. Let's open up to, uh, let's look at Hebrews 7. Hebrews chapter 7, 11 through 25. Y'all pray for me. Lord Jesus. It ain't going to do no good. It sure ain't. Hebrews 7, we're going to start with verse 11, and we're going to read for a little bit. Are we there? Cool. Let's read together. Hebrews 7, here we go. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest yet to come? In order to... One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what have we said, and what and what we have said, excuse me, is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. Who is, who is this leading to? It's talking about Jesus, right? One who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. That's in the Bible. Y'all, that's good. <laughs> on the basis of of the power of an indestructible life. How many know that that's what we're called to live? Not a fragile life that when life squeezes us, we crumble, but an indestructible, unshakable life. Come on, let's keep going. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless and the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. We're almost done. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. 
but he has become priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are priest forever. Say forever. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Come on, Jesus. Now there are many of those priests. There have been many of those priests since death, prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Come on. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Therefore, he is able to save partially, completely, those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for me and you. This is what Jesus died to accomplish. The cross, nothing. Easy work for him. Pain, absolutely. Endure the weight of sin, 100%. The end result, this right here. Are are y'all catching this? To intercede for them. Revelation 4 is an invitation for us to come in and be with him in intimacy and in power, but also for intercession. This is good news. I need y'all to hear this. Listen, this isn't about praying and getting on my knees for four hours at home. That's all good and well if that's what the Lord's called you to, but intercession is an invitation to not just carry the burdens of God for the nations, for the cities, but to cause such agreement in God's heart that they actually become true in the earth. That's what you and I are called to do. Worship is effective. Do not get me wrong. Worship will absolutely change an atmosphere. But if it's not aligned with agreement with God in prayer through this right here, nothing's going to change. It might feel good. Atmospheres might shift. We know that happens in worship. That's just the nature of his presence, that when he comes, things change. That's a no-brainer. He's always done that. But when we can come into agreement with this right here, Hebrews 7, he is able to completely save those who come to God through him. That should give us hope and encouragement that when I pray, God, we pray for the lost right now in Jesus' name, that when they step out of their homes this morning, that they encounter your presence and glory in a new way. God, would you go and be with them? Would you walk the streets with the homeless right now? Would you give them an encounter when nobody else will? And agree with God's heart. How do I know what God's heart is? Why don't you ask him? Father, what is your heart for the nations today? How can I pray? Easy. Why is it easy? Because it all comes from him. It's what Bill Johnson always talked about. None of the responsibility is on me. It's 100% his responsibility. My job is to be obedient. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. It is the cycle of Christianity. It's not hard. It's not works. It doesn't require a college degree. Listen and obey. You with me this morning? Come on, this is the call for me and you, every believer in this room. I want to read one more, and then I want to do some ministry time with us today. I want you to turn to Exodus 33, verse 12, 33, 12. And our kids, huh? My goodness. Get them, Lord. (laughs) 
All right, Exodus 33, let's read this together. Are you there with me? All right, let's go. Verse 12 says this, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name. This is what God had told Moses. I know you by name and you've found favor with me. But if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. What's Moses saying here? He's doing intercession on behalf of his people saying, that, remember, God, will you remember that they are also your people, not just me, right? Yeah. Verse 14 says this, and the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15 says this, and Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. <sighs> How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and, and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said this to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. If your presence does not go with me, I'm not going. Look at verse 14 real quick. It says this, and the Lord replied, my presence will go with who? You. He's talking directly to Moses. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15 says this, and Moses responded to God this way. If your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. What's he saying? He's doing intercession on behalf of his people. <laughs> Are you catching this? It's very, it's very important that we understand that God is pointing the attention at the man Moses turns it around to God in conversation and says, if it's not with us, we're not going. I need y'all to get this this morning. Intercessors have this unique capacity to take their intimacy with God, their history with God, everything that they've ever done in the secret place, and leverage it for other people. Yes. One person got that. Are anybody else listening? <laughs> this is what, this is the power of Intercession because it's not laboring for hours and hours and hours in prayer. And that sometimes is a part of it. Do not get me wrong. I love to spend time in prayer. I do it all week. I it's, it's, it's my life. It is a part of who I'm called to be. But intimacy with God has to be effective in some other way than just filling me up. Because if not, again, it's all about me, what I can get. It's the same transaction that Christians in almost every church in America come to get every single week they come in here. God, fill me up when the offering should be, Lord, what can I give to you today? Moses takes what he had built in the secret place for years with God and said, you say, I can go up from here. I say, we're not leaving unless they go with us. <laughs> this is the ultimate power of intercession. And we, I, I want to take the next few weeks, we're, we're going to be teaching on this a lot, I'm going to be teaching on this a lot moving forward, um, how to be a powerful and effective intercessor in, in the perspective of a, of a new covenant. Because if it's not through the lens of the cross and the finished work of that, then we're not really accomplishing anything rather than feeling good about ourselves. The, the, this selfish mentality that the church has trained us to live in and walk in and not just in worship, but in prayer and every aspect of ministry has to shift. Yeah. 
It has to change. Otherwise, we're going to spend 20 more years in this room, whatever room we're in together, accomplishing nothing in the Spirit. Bill Johnson used this analogy a number of years ago about pressure being built up. He, he said this, we have internal pressure valves that when the pressures of the world, the weight of the world, when school shootings happen that cause us frustration, um, cities are bombed or cultural changes are made with um, certain communities. I think we all know what I'm talking about with, with culture right now, with sexuality and gender that cause us frustration and pain. And a lot of times, the, the right release, which was supposed to be prayer and intercession, turns to frustration. And instead of leveraging intimacy with God to prayer, we've offered up complaint. There's a paradigm shift. <laughs> but it does not happen without incredible, powerful intimacy with the Father. And so if I'm gonna pray anything, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna close here. Why don't we stand together? I, I, want us, I want us to pray and receive this, not just this message, but this revelation and really a call to come up higher. Uh, I do wanna pray Revelation 4 for everyone in this room that will receive it. And I, and I want to caution you, and this isn't to be super religious or weird, if, if you don't feel ready to receive this call, don't ask. <laughs> because the moment you ask, he will take you up and there's no longer permission to not do this anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you feel that? There, there, this is sort of a weighty message because it requires a massive amount of personal responsibility on my part. It requires me to die to self, which we're supposed to do as believers anyways. Die to self daily. Pick up your cross and follow me. <laughs> Just put your hands out in front of you just to receive. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are our intercessor. And that whether, whether we are aware of it or not, you are always interceding on behalf of us, of the believer, of the unbeliever, of the office worker, of the pastor, of every believer and non-believer, you are working and speaking on our behalf. So right now, we just thank you for the continual work of intercession that you not only do for us, but you invite us up into. So right now, would you offer up to everyone in this room, I just want you to ask the Lord if you want to be taken up right now, would you, would you take us up like John? Would you, would you take us up to the right hand with you to the throne? not just to enjoy, but to have foresight, wisdom, revelation, understanding, would it come to us right now in Jesus' name? Yeah, if you want to pray to him right now, just begin to thank him, Jesus. I thank you that you are inviting every one of us right now to a greater revelation and understanding of our place with you. God, we thank you for the finished work of the cross that applies to every single person in this room. God, let that be the prevailing revelation for everyone that would seek your face. God, I pray for a deep, deep well of intimacy to be dug 
for every single person in this room right now. If that's you if, you, if you desire greater intimacy in the secret place, just lift your hands right now. Father, would you release right now oil from heaven? Come on, Jesus. Father, I ask that you release your anointing and your glory and your power right now. God, everyone that's saying yes right now, I pray that you would give them a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost right now. Father, the, the complaints and the frustrations, the, the, the self-centeredness that has caused us to build up frustration and offer complaint as an offering, I pray that you would give a, re, a spiritual release right now for everyone in this room. God, that complaining would turn to prophesying. That bitterness would turn to intercession that the frustration for a lack of change would actually encourage us to be a part of it, not to sit on the sidelines anymore. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would offer radical accountability to every believer in this room, that as they seek you, that you would walk with them and encourage them, not guilt and shame them for not praying enough or not thinking the right way, but walk with each and every person in this room to grow in God, to grow in understanding of what you're saying, what you're doing, and how you're working in the earth. Father, I pray that you would begin to teach every single person in this room to leverage their personal intimacy with God on behalf of others. That as they seek your face, they'll get a heart for a third world nation that they'll get a passion to begin to pray for a social justice issue, for the lost. God, would you move every heart in this room that would say yes to you this morning? I pray for a radical, radical, loving conviction of the Holy Spirit to come in this room to not condemn but encourage every believer to walk in righteousness, purity, holiness, and intimacy with you. We love you, God. We, we offer this house to you, this church to you as a, as a temple to host your presence, but to host intercessors, people that love to pray, that love to connect with you, but love to see change affected in the earth through prayer and partnership with you. Mark us today as we pray together. Would you mark us? Show us what we're called to pray for in this house. God, I pray if, if you have a, a burden for a specific prayer, I, I just pray right now, God, that you would, would you fan the flame of, of these hearts in this room that have a, a, a heart and a desire to see certain things changed. I pray that that would be inflamed right now, that you would grow it and nurture it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being patient with us, Lord. For waiting with us, not for us. <laughs> Yeah, God, we just thank you that you're not impatiently waiting for us, but you're with us in the process. Grow us, shape us, mold us, we're here. We say yes to what you're doing, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen, amen. amen. Okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, it is 12.02. We, we have the, the prayer and intercession introductory class at one o'clock. And so if you wanna be a part of that, and I hope that there are more of you that wanna be a part of that now that we've talked about this and introduced this a little bit. We're gonna meet at one o'clock 
in this room right here behind us. Um, but if not, if you don't want to be part of that, we love you. We bless you. Have a wonderful day. Uh, if you're part of the ministry team here, if you would come up front, we're going to offer prayer. Um, if, you want, if you need a prophetic word, if you need prayer for healing, uh, or if you just want to receive the Lord again in a fresh and new way this morning, we offer you to come up and we'll pray for you. Um, we love you and we bless you. Was this good this morning? Have you enjoyed this? Intense word. But listen, this is the place and the kind of people that God has called us to be, not sideliners and not spectators, but to be involved in the process. That's you and me. Amen? All right. We love you. Go and be blessed. Thank you so much for being here this morning. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.